Praise the Lord. Can we all say amen this morning? I'm, I'm actually glad I'm, doing, I'm glad I'm done with the NCAA tournaments. And for some of you that don't know what the NCAA tournaments are, it's men just running up and down the court playing basketball, okay? But I'm glad that I'm done with that because I'm an old man now. <laughs> Praise God. Well, this morning... Uh, I want to just let you know that I'm happy to be amongst all of you and be able to worship the living God with you. I believe that God is in this place, and I believe that the Bible says that when God is in the place, where his spirit is, there's liberty and there's freedom, freedom to worship him as God, as king, as Lord of all. Amen. Amen. Well, I would like to... uh, just start in on this morning and the passage in which we are going to read in this morning is in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we'll read this morning. For those of you who don't know me again, I love it to be able to hear those pages turn in your Bible. That's a good sign because it means that you Brought your Bible to church with you. So that if I get up here and say something that's not in the Bible, you can tell me afterwards. Amen. Or some of you, I appreciate that you have your iPhone and you got the Bible program on your iPhone. Make sure it's, your, make sure it's the Bible program and not a game on the iPhone, okay? <laughs> Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And Let's read there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every sin and and every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance a race set out for us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set out for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Think of him who endured such opposition against him by sinners, so that you may not grow weary in your souls and give up. Father, we commit this time to you. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have told us that your word is truth. And Lord, when we know the truth, it sets us free. Father, we pr- Pray that you would place us in a place now, God, that where hearts can be receptive to your word. And Lord, we don't want to leave this place the same. We believe, Lord, that your word is incorruptible. So, Lord, we pray that as we partake of your word now, let it transform and renew our minds. God, so that we may be and live as you have called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're reading in Hebrews, and in chapter 12, just to give you a little bit backdrop on Hebrews, we're talking about a group of Christians, mainly Jews, who are waiting for the return of their Savior, Jesus, and being in a little bit delayed in his return, as well as with persecution that is going on with the Christians. 
they begin to wane and they begin to fade and they begin to want to go back to Judaism. And they want to throw the towel in on their faith. So the writer of Hebrews writes to encourage them, don't throw the towel in on your faith. Because he has said that he will come back and he is coming back. Plus, what the law itself could not do, Jesus did in fulfilling it when he came and lived amongst us. And when he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. So don't throw your faith away. Because it's far superior than Judaism itself. So they're in this place. And they're wanting to give up. And the writer of Hebrews says, no, no, no. Don't throw your faith in. Don't throw it away. It would be almost like we see in the times. And we think of things like what happened in Japan. What is happening currently in Egypt, in Libya. What happened in Haiti, in all of these places. What many years ago happened in our own country in New Orleans. We see time and time again these things and we begin to say, Lord, please come back. Or we begin to want to become more and more depressed about what is going on. Yeah, but the writer of Hebrews said, don't grow weary, my friends. Don't go weary, my brothers and sisters. Keep on pressing in. Keep on enduring and running the race. So he compares in chapter 12, he says, We are in a race. And this race, he says, requires endurance. And that's why I said I want to talk about a race of endurance this morning. He says, therefore, and any time you see the word therefore or more after or moreover, wherefore, any time that you see those words, you always need to read the chapter or two before to get a better understanding of why he has come to this point. So he says, in light, just finishing up chapter 11, where he talks about all the heroes of faith and all the situations that they went through and the sufferings that they went through, neither, never, never obtaining or seeing what they was hoping for, but they continue to have faith and run the race until they left this world. And he says, brothers and sisters, because we have such a great cloud of witnesses, these who have gone before us and they have run the race, They have stood the test of time. He says, endure. Run the race with endurance. There was a a sign in the 1964 Olympics in Tokyo that read as follows. The most important thing in the Olympic Games is not to win, but to take part. Just as the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. The essential thing is to have fought well 
if you will read in chapter 10, you will see that the writer of Hebrew, chapter 10, started in verse 32 to about 36. The, the writer of Hebrews says, brothers and sisters, amidst the suffering, amidst the persecution that you are enduring, that wants to turn you back to your old ways of living. He says, remember, remember that time when you were under such persecution. Remember how you endured and remember how you stood by those who were under such horrific environments and you stood by them. Remember that and don't throw in the towel. Continue to run the race. You see, we are not far from these Christians. We are not far from these first century Christians. Because when it get tough, the tough get going. But the reality is, see, we want to get out of the kitchen then. When the tough get going. See, we want all of the triumphs, but we never really want to go through the suffering it takes. See, we, we, we love to celebrate all of the victories, and we should. But when it comes to us getting down to the nitty-gritties of it and going through the fire, we're not really ready to go through the fire. But the fire is a part of helping us to become all that God has destined us to become. Amen. 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 See, we cannot just get around the fire. There's a few things that we want to learn about endurance. And the picture that I can get you, a gift to you about endurance to help you understand it a bit more is that if you think about, if you follow the, the Greek in the teaching of it, you will see that it means to remain under. To run with endurance means to remain under. Remain under or remain Faithful to your faith amidst all of the fiery trials and the resistance that comes with me being a believer. Example, if you follow football, in football, the goal is to try to score touchdowns. So generally, somebody gets the ball and run with, runs with the ball. Now, if I have someone that tries to tackle, his, his objective is to prevent me from getting the touchdown. Block me, yeah. <laughs> so I'm running, the, I'm, running, I'm running the race. I'm running the race, and I'm running towards the goal line. He gets on top of me. To hold me from getting there. Matt, can you come here for one second? <laughs> Another person jumps on, jumps on top of me. Guess what that does to my legs? It causes a real strain to happen on my legs. And it's very difficult holding up underneath this weight. And this heaviness on my body here. But in all of it, with him on me, I still, I strain towards... The mark, that's the picture that we are giving when we're talking about enduring. I'm going to stay committed to my faith. 
And I'm going to run this race. And being that is a race of endurance, the first thing that we need to understand about it is our race in which we are in, it is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. Different training for each one of those. A sprint, generally, we got one guy who is uh, uh, from Jamaica. He can probably run the 100 meters in 9.4 seconds or something like that. Amazing. Who's Usain Bolt? And he's like lightning too. <laughs> but he can boogie. That's a sprint. And many Christians do that as well too. Because they've become so excited about Jesus at the beginning. But then again, when resistance comes, when the trials and the hardships comes, when the suffering comes, they begin to fade. So therefore, you don't see them at church as often anymore. You don't see them at Bible study anymore because they begin to fade. Because they, knew, they re- didn't realize that there was an enemy after their soul that is trying to prevent them from fulfilling and staying to the faith to the end. It's not how do you start. It's how you finish. The race. We are in a race. And we have a great cloud of witnesses watching us and cheering us on to keep the faith. We need to understand it is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. I noticed I ran head, head on with this about six months ago. About six months ago, I started a whole new work, workout plan. And that workout plan involved about 30, 35 to 40 minutes of cardio type workout. And I started out very fast. And oh, I looked around about 15 minutes ago on the clock. I said, wow, 15 more minutes? I feel like I'm going to die already. <laughs> <laughs> but over the course of time, I realized that I don't get in shape overnight. I get in shape over the course of time. So, our race in which we're in, it's a race of endurance. And I understand that endurance is one that is for the long haul and is not a sprint. You can see clearly that Paul, when instructing his young disciple, Timothy, what did he tell Timothy? He tell Timothy, he says, says, Timothy, here's what you do, my friend. He says, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, it said, But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships. Paul did not tell his young protege that he was going to have just a wonderful life and nothing would happen in his life. He didn't fool him like that. He didn't tell him that stuff. He told him that you were going to face hardships. But you need to learn how to endure them. Because I've really understood now that hardships and going through them, they change us. 
And they help us become the people are we, we are today. Many of you did not come to the cross because everything was going well in your life. You came to the cross because you had hit rock bottom in your life. That's why you came to the cross. That's why we generally remember our struggles versus our triumphs. See, our notion is to think that my triumphs happen because of me being a great guy. That's why God has to let us go through the vice sometimes. Because he's interested in you and me becoming just like Christ in every essence or every aspect of our lives. That's his goal for our lives. His goal is not to have stuff in our lives. His goal is that we become like Christ. That our joy exudes Christ. That our hope exudes Christ. That our love exudes Christ. That's what he is after. Remember, this race in which we're in is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. God also blesses endurance. Endurance is a sprint, not a sprint, but God also blesses endurance. Let me give you a great example of this. You remember Job? This was a righteous man. And the Bible says that God let the enemy get after him. And we know, reading through Job, all of the stuff in which he suffered through. Let me throw something in here. Don't let nobody tell you that you will not go through this life without suffering in your life. If you tell them that, they're lying to you. Because your Savior, he suffered. And we are called to follow in his footsteps. That's scripture. That's not me talking. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. Paul told his young protege, endure hardships. Endure just like Job did. Job suffered. And you know what the Bible says about Job? Because he Stood not in complaining. He stood not, he did not curse God. The Bible said that God blessed Job at the end. Notice in Job chapter 42, verse 10, it says, After Job prayed for his friends, the same people whom thought he was doing all kind of stuff that was not of God, the Lord made him prosper again. And gave him twice as much as he had before. How many want twice as much as God wants for you? Are you ready to endure hardship then? Are you ready to suffer for the cause of Christ? Amen. Verse 
Verse 11, he says, all his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. Notice. All the trouble that the Lord had brought upon him. All of the trouble that the Lord had allowed to happen in his life. The Lord blessed Job the latter part of his life. More than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yokes of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three dollars. And if you go on, you'll see clearly that it says, Job, because he stayed the course, despite his suffering, despite all of the resistance, he endured. He kept running the race of faith. He held on to the faith. And he didn't quit. He didn't give up. I would be remiss to tell you that you are not going to encounter different situations in your life. But I tell you, when you encounter those situations in your life, know that you have a God who is above those situations in life. He's bigger than what you can encounter in this life. That's why, we, that's why he was said, and just like he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. Amen. Because he's bigger than whatever situation that we could go through and so forth. That's why I wish and I pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into places like Japan, Libya, Egypt. So that they would know that the Lord is bigger than their situations. This is an awesome time that we can be alive as Christians. Why? Because when we're living in a world that is full of hopelessness, we have the hope. (laughs) We have the hope in Jesus. Amen. This is a race. The race in which we're in is a race of endurance. This is also a race that we have to prepare for. Hebrews 13.1, Hebrews 12.1 again. This is a race that we have to prepare for. Not only do we have to run, but we have to prepare for it. He says, again, we are surrounded by these clouds of witnesses. And notice what he says we have to do to prepare for the race. He says, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Friend, the word of prophecy that came towards you today, it was a word for you not to go home later or not to go home next week, But it was a word for you today to get rid of sin in your life so that you can be able to run with endurance the race God has marked for you. He says, get rid of every weight. Now, weight is interesting because weight is actually something that is not a sin. It's something that hinders us. 
It's something that would be like I would I would I would I would fashion it to or compare it to maybe being a workaholic. It's a good thing to work, but it's a bad thing and it can weigh you down if you work too much. It, it could be also that I have too much stuff in my life, too many material things in my life. It's not bad to have materials, but when you have too much of it to where all of your attention goes to that, it's a weight, and it's weighing you down. And you notice what he says? He said, get rid of it. Maybe for some of you that have a few extra material things, Think about somebody maybe that doesn't have as much as you may have and just give it to them. Get rid of the weight that holds you down so that you can run the race. I know that uh, Brother Patrick, because he has ran the marathon before, I know that he understands all of the preparation it takes that we have to have in order to be ready for that marathon. That's why when you see runners, they don't put on very heavy clothes. Everything on them is quite light because they're trying to use it to their advantage. And the same way with us as Christians. We have to be very careful about being consumed with all of this stuff in which we so grabs our attention here in America. We have to be very, very careful that we don't get weighted down by all of that because it hinders us from moving forward and being productive and keeping and running the race of faith in which God has called us to. We have to be very careful. To wait, he says, get rid of it. Get rid of the hindrances. And notice what else he says. He says, one, that we have a cloud of witnesses. And then he says, in verse two, we have the most important witness. And that's Jesus Christ. That's why we ought to look to him. Because the road which we are traveling, he's already traveled. Amen. <laughs> For you young people in here, don't never disregard the wisdom that you can give from your parents. For, for you younger women in the church, the younger men in the church, don't disregard the wisdom in which you can receive from the more mature men and women in the church. Why? Because they are walk the road in which you are trying to walk. You ought to look to them. That's what the scriptures say. Remember we have this cloud of witnesses around us who have went the way. And we have the most important witness, Jesus Christ, to look to. So what is it saying to us? Be very careful on what models we choose to watch. Be very, very careful 
We are living in days and time where we exalt celebrities. And we look to them and we look to their example. And we are so broken hearted when we fall because we have looked to the wrong example. We have to look to the model example, Jesus. That's what he's saying here. He's saying just like a runner, he looks to the finish line. He doesn't look to his opponents, the ones who are running against him. He doesn't look there. He looks to the finish line. That's why the Bible says here that Jesus, he's the pioneer and he's the perfecter of our faith. He is the finish line. Knowing him, being in him is the finish line. So we ought to look to him. We ought to focus our eyes on him. In preparing, when we played basketball, preparing, it was always a time of meditation and a time of thinking. Is there anything that I did the last game that I can remove from my life? And which person do I want to pattern my game after? Those are questions that we always dealt with. Same way in the Christian faith. What is it that is in my life that's hindering me? Get rid of it. Who do I want to pattern my life after? The Bible tells us clearly that Paul said to the church of Corinth, he says, because I'm so focused and fixed on Jesus and my way is after him, I will tell you, follow my example as I follow him. So we follow the pastor because, not because of his great preaching, his oratorial skills. We follow him because of his following after Christ. And we follow. Some are following people because of their persuasiveness. We're in a a living in times where we, again, exalt those who are celebrities. We want to be like them. Why? Because they have all of the stuff in their life. They have the money. They have the fame. They have the so-called power. But what they really have is emptiness and brokenness. But we have the one who has perfected faith to follow, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. You know, they are called heroes of faith for a reason. They're not called celebrities of the faith. They're called heroes of the faith. Why? Why heroes versus celebrities? Heroes, they understand what matters most. They understand what matters the most. That's why we could have a show like Superman. Clark Kent go into the phone booth and put on the Superman's jumpsuit to what? Save a life. Because it matters most. He don't jump into the 
the booth and put on a Superman suit to go save his car from being confiscated. <laughs> or stolen, yeah. I could ask you a question. Do you want to be a celebrity? Or do you want to be a hero of faith? I can tell you for sure, celebrities are consumed with all of the stuff in life. But a hero of faith, all he or she is caring about is finishing and finishing well, finishing strong in the faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We say, Pastor Caesar, always come with those kind of messages. Praise the Lord. Let me finish up by saying this. We run a race. And when you say run, you want to think about sprinting. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You're enduring what you're enduring in this life. If you stay faithful, stay holding on to the faith and not turning away from it, you will receive a greater blessing from God. Prepare for this race in which you're in by throwing every sin and every weight off. Getting rid of sin in the lights. And be careful in whom you choose to follow. And lastly, fix your eyes on Jesus. You remember that song? You remember the old song that said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. What he's trying to say is that although I recognize all of the things, all of the situations that I may face in life, I'm going to make a choice to turn my eyes on Jesus. Why do I turn my eyes on Jesus? Because he is able. He has ran this race. He has succeeded. He has been faithful to the end. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise Jesus. But so we ask ourselves, how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? We hear that. We say, how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Did you know that the Bible said that Jesus, he is the word, and he was the word incarnated? Hallelujah. So how do you fix your eyes on Jesus? Do not let the word depart from your sight. Keep the word of God in your sight. Amen. Amen. And I would say 
Keep reminding yourself of the gospel. Hallelujah. Because without the gospel, it is not possible for me and you to be sitting here today and talking about the goodness and the mercy of God without the gospel. Every day that I wake up and I say, Father, I thank you for sending your son to make a way for me to be able to come and realize and have newness of life. I thank you for that because I know that I was down in the dumps in my life. I know that sin was so engrossed in my life. And God, through his mercy, through his son, Jesus Christ, by his spirit, he reached down and he pulled me out of that garbage. And he stepped me on my feet now. And he's given me a life that is worthy of his calling and election. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. See, I can't forget about that. No, I can't forget about that. But I can tell you for sure, if I came to the cross for any other reason than knowing that I was a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, if I came to the cross because I needed a healing from God, or if I came to the cross because of the blessings of God, believe me, my brothers and sisters, you will forget about the mercy of God and the gospel will not make a difference to you. But when you come to the cross because you know that you are a sinner, contesting for hell, eternal separation from God, God, you will be thankful for what the gospel has done for you in your life. Amen. Amen. We fix eyes on Jesus by remembering what the gospel has done for us. And we remember that by the word. That's why I say you ought to not, you ought to not just leave your Bible on the shelf when you leave here. When you go home, in fact, you ought to read your Bible and read through Hebrews again and say, what that man was telling me, was it right, God? Yeah. And then when Monday come around, you ought to pick your Bible up again and you ought to read some more of God's word. And you ought to join into your small group and you ought to join in with having somebody in a one-on-one situation to where we can study the word and keep our eyes on Jesus. Taking our eyes off our situation and looking to our God who is bigger than our situation. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I will tell you today, my friend, if you are here today and you have not made a decision to know Jesus, I can tell you for sure, you are here today because God knows that you are a sinner and you are destined for eternal separation from God unless you repent of your sin and give your life to Christ. That's why you're here today. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yes, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, fix our eyes on Jesus. Not only do we fix our eyes on Jesus, we recognize the way he thought. Did you see that? What he said in verse 3, he says, think like him. Fix my eyes on him, but I think like him as well too. Or some of your texts may say, consider Jesus. Notice that When Jesus was going through the cross, did he go through the cross? Father, I don't want to go to no cross. He didn't say that. He said, for the joy. Joy. And this is not a, this is not a joy that uh, comes from external rewards. 
That's not the joy he's talking about. He, he's talking about a joy that, that he knew that comes from doing the right thing. That's where joy comes from. It's doing the right thing. Uh-huh. See, he knew that he would provide salvation for those who would come to God. And he knew that his, his resting place would be at the right hand of the Father. See, me and you need to understand, just like Jesus did too, when whatever work in which God gives us, whatever thing he gives us to do, we do it with joy. Why? Because we know it's the right thing to do, and we know that this place in which we live in right now, it's not our eternal home. We are pilgrims passing through. The joy. He had joy in doing it. Joy in going to the cross. He didn't go through his suffering with uh, complaining and whining. There's a sister that right now, I tell you, she is one of my, she gave a big thumbs up for me. And some of you know her. Her name is Mary Kay Smith. Mary Kay Smith, she is stricken with uh, uh, cancer. And Mary Kay is not stricken with cancer because of sin that she's done. Or not, she's stricken with cancer because of, she has a weak faith. She steadily, she steadily endures. She endures. She endures and she endures. She's not going to let her circumstance cause her to walk away from her God. She's going to stay faithful to her God to the end. That's why she gets a big thumbs up to me. She's not one of those ones who start blaming God. Say, God, why did you let it happen? No. Say, God, I know that bad things happen because we're living in a fallen world. But God, no matter what bad things happen, I'm still going to hold on to you because I ain't got nowhere else to go. Yeah. He's, that's why Jesus, that's why he's the, uh, he, he is superior to the law. That's why the writer of Hebrews was encouraging the people to look there, fix their eyes on him. Fix our eyes on him by remembering the gospel in our own lives. By thinking the way he thought. And lastly, by being faithful where God has placed us. So many want to go this and do that. Mm-hmm. But God's saying, just stay where you at and be faithful in doing what he's called you to do. I told my wife about three Thirty four o'clock in the morning, I said, boy, this is getting hard. So that's why when I come into this place, man, I come into this place and I, I realize how thankful that I am for my pastor. I'm thankful for others who served with my pastor at the very beginning. I become thankful for those people. Sometimes they don't look like, they don't look like outstanding people. Because they're not celebrities, they're heroes. They don't look like outstanding people. 
But I tell you what, they're faithful people. No matter what storm comes, no matter what rain happens, they're going to stay faithful to their God. And they have proven their faithfulness to their God over the test of time. So when I come in here and I say, whoa, all the chairs and everything line up. Wonderful sound system and everything. But we have a yellow van that parks in to the school every single Sunday morning. And we have to have the men flex our muscle, pick up the stuff, put it out. Put it in, put it out, put it in every single Sunday. Sometimes it's like, whoa, so much. And you get tired. And the thing is, you want to do just like I do, complain. See, I don't want to get up here and tell you that I'm so Superman that I don't complain sometimes. I complain. Because I'm following after the footsteps of my Savior. I'm trying to, I'm trying to go to where he has already been. That's my, that's my goal. See, I don't, I don't want to try and give you any, full, any impression that just because we are guys who use a gift to be able to preach the word of God to you, that we are some kind of elite people. No, we are not elite. We are folk just like you who need a savior, who need the power of God working through our lives so that we can do the right thing for his glory and his honor. So no matter how heavy those boxes get, no matter how many times i got to put up those instruments, I'm going to stay faithful to what God has called me to do. Amen. And I will say to you, for those of you who you have been laboring in this church, especially, and I will just say this because it's near to my heart, those of you who labor in this church by serving our children, and you've been faithful so many years, God has put you there, and you continue to remain faithful to that. Remain faithful to it. Because I can see that many of our children are coming up, and they are learning. I was so happy when Pastor Brenda came to visit the North Campus, and she said, Pastor Caesar, I'm so happy. I'm so happy for what your children are doing. And you know what I think? I thank thank God for her. All of the time and effort that's been going into our children. God wants us to remain faithful no matter what situation that we are going through. Remain faithful. And God will see that you receive the reward in which he has in store for you. He told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Timothy, uh, verse 3, he says, Timothy, be a good soldier and endure hardship. Don't quit. Keep doing good. He says that Paul says the same thing in Galatians to the church at Galatia. He says that, guys, don't grow weary in doing good. Continue to do good. We ought to continue to do good. My friend, we're in a race. And this race is not for all the external rewards. This race is, in, is, in, is for the reward in which can never be tarnished or can never be corrupt. That's the race that we're in. And I would say to you, again today, 
for those of you who came today. You're in a race. And that race is called life. You can go through life without God or you can go through life with God. I would declare to you the best way I have found and the best way that I have seen from millions of Christians the best way to go through life and run the race in which we're in is with Jesus. So my friend, you who are sitting here today, if you don't know Jesus, get to know him today. Get to know him as Lord and Savior of your life. And then run the race in which he has given for you with endurance. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Father, we're thankful that you saved us. God, we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us through your Son into the faith. Father, I thank you God that you require us to run this race God and run with endurance oh Father I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here today for those who may be thinking of fainting or those who may be fading Father I do pray that today that you would ignite a passion inside of them God God that no matter what they're going through God that their love for you that their faithfulness to you to stay the course and to run the race in which you set for God that they would not deviate from your, your way and Lord I pray that you would help us God as we prepare to run this race help us Lord throw off sin in our lives throw off the, the weights God that hinder us and keep us from running this course Father I pray that you would give us by your spirit a disdain God for sin give us a love for holiness God so that we may not be slowed Father keep us in that day of temptation when we want to look to the celebrities in this life 
God, keep us from that temptation, God. And help us, God, to continue to look to Jesus. He may continue to perfect our faith in Him. Oh, Father, I pray that you will release those in this house today, God, who are bogged down, God, with sin. Release them today, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, if we're in this place or addicted to the material things of this life, God, release your people today, God, in the name of Jesus. And bring us to that point, God, where we're broken in you, Lord God. Where we will cry out to you, God. Oh, we thank you for that, Father. We give you praise this day. to say to you to you all that let's run let's together keep to the faith and run the race in which God has set out for us amen well praise the Lord I know that we will have a lunch today. So, unlike the last time, I will not cause you to not have your lunch today. Praise the Lord. Look at Paul. He laughed. He said, thank God. Hallelujah. But praise the Lord. Tell somebody that you love them and you care for them. And Lord bless you. And pray that he would be with you as you go forth in this place. Amen. Amen. Pastor Caesar. Let's give another hand clap to Pastor Caesar. Thank you so much. Yes, man. Thank you. And I mean that's mean this seriously that this is better than any basketball game I could have watched this morning. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. It's tempting to want to stay home and watch you dub, but I am so glad I did not miss this this morning because God spoke to me. Did he speak to you? Yes. Is your stomach speaking to you? Yes. Free lunch, all right? Let's do this. We're going to pray, and then we, we need everybody's help to set up. Is that okay? Amen. All right, let's pray for lunch. Father, in the name of Jesus, please bless this food. Thank you, Lord God, for the volunteers who cooked it, and let's have a good time today. Thank you, Jesus, for providing for us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Let's all set up for lunch.